Welcome to Requiem Metal Co- Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Mark, and uh, you just heard Anvil. This is 13. Yes. From uh, Canadian Metal Volume 1. Yes. And from the album, This is 13. It's not episode 13 to confuse you, but the song itself is actually just 13. And uh, we've been bouncing this idea around for quite a while. Uh, Six, seven months. Yeah. At least. Probably. Um, I mean, I think ever since we saw the Anvil documentary, I mean, there was a part of us that kind of wanted to, you know, to dig into that a little bit. And then uh, our love of uh, Dark Throne, you know, uh, Canadian metal, uh, the song. Marduk EPs. Yeah. The, what is it, Obedience? Uh, No, the Glorification Glorification EP. EP. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's this kind of mystical quality to, to, you know, the Canadian metal scene. And, uh, you know, the more we started to piece parts of it together, the more we found that, a lot of it was was actually pretty pretty quality, you know, and it had yeah. a, kind of an edge to it that was pretty unique for '80s kind of thrash heavy metal kind of stuff. One with bands names like Exciter and Razor. Yeah, uh, we, you wouldn't really necessarily have a high expectation what those bands are going to sound like. And I think I used to get a lot of those bands kind of confused almost with like bad like you know German power metal or something. Like oh, it, yeah. it blended it together so much sometimes that I, I don't think I ever really had any impetus to kind of like want to you know jump in and, and kind of get into it a little. So. Um, so we decided to kind of look at it from a, a couple of different angles, and what we're going to be doing this episode is kind of like focusing, I guess, on the, uh, I guess, the '80s thrash metal scene. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about even though this is 13s from 2007, but yeah, and we'll talk they about much that. Saw exactly. The same. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get into why we're starting with Anvil and, and and that kind of thing for those of you out there, which would be probably hopefully not a lot of you that haven't seen the Anvil uh, documentary yet, but. Um, and then what we're we're gonna do is kind of look at this as you know Canadian metal volume one, uh, kind of the the background and, and give you a sprinkling of some of the the great kind of thrash bands of the eighties, um, and some of them are like you know almost like proto death type stuff when we get you know near the end of the show, um, and then this will sort of build to a, a focus uh, on one particular kind of uh, classic record mm-hmm. of Canadian metal of the thrash genre. That we won't reveal. You'll have to kind of wait to, to sort of see what that is. And actually, it's on the tail end of the yeah, it is, well. it is. And um, the then what we were going to do as a, a second set of shows, whether it will be right afterwards or there might be a, a slight gap, um, especially with kind of the year end show coming up around the corner and stuff. For, for those of you that always anticipate our our, our double bonus uh, episode year end show, and then uh, we were going to kind of look not necessarily away from the thrash scene because some of those bands had associations but kind of like at the other really i guess unique oddity of canadian metal which is their sort of tech death you know really technical kind of side of things yeah, with the boy vibe the gore guts the cryptopsy yeah. and you know just a, a lot of you know bizarre stuff i mean even like uh the the kind of best canadian metalcore band the end uh, was sort of like a Dillinger clone, very technical, math, yeah. math, mathematical kind Rush. of stuff. Yeah, you know, the roots are with Rush and, and some of that kind of stuff. Triumph. So, Yes, I've recently discovered some, uh, I, I downloaded some Triumph because I heard Lay It On The Line on the radio and I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> I had no idea they were Canadian, so kind of fits in with, uh, with, with the whole thing. But, you know, um, Anvil, the reason... You know, we started with This Is 13 is that was sort of, you know, I guess the comeback record. You know, it's the record, if you've seen the documentary, that they're uh, overseas recording near the end of it. Borrowing money from his sister from to his get sister. Re- recorded, which... He has uh, paid off. Yeah, yeah, good to know that. He's, he's made enough he's made money off word. this. Yeah, and uh, they record with, um, and I'll, I'll, I know I'll butcher his last name, Chris um, 
Sangaritis. Sangaritis, I think it is. T S A. Uh, he had a pretty illustrious yeah, producing career, didn't he? He had done like a lot of like really kind of slicked up uh, '70s rock and early '80s stuff. Um, he may have had some associations. I thought he had something to do with Zeppelin. He could could have been. I know. Like I, I probably should have looked. It, uh, it just escapes me at the moment. But he recorded their very first albums, uh, which were pretty famous, I guess, in the Canadian metal scene mm-hmm. back in the early days. Uh, like you know, well, metal. even in the American metal scene when they were touring with you know Anthrax, yeah, and yeah, bands. Metal on Metal and uh, Forge and Fire. I don't know if he did Forge and Fire, but those are kind of the the two first ones. Uh, you were joking that you want to <laughs> memorize all the uh, Anvil album titles in a sequence as if it was a, a kind of a poetic puzzle of some sort. Well, it's it's all it's like Demon Werger records. Yeah, you know, it's, it's three three word titles. And uh, the the song "This Is 13, which is kind of like the the epic. You know, it has an epic quality to it, and you can kind of hear a lot of the kind of cool elements that Anvil has about them. Um, you know, whether it's the fact that they they do have some kind of thrashy uh, leads to them, but they can also kind of go into like kind of thundering, you know, Sabbathy doom type stuff. You know, and this is thirteen yeah. has that like plotting kind of quality to it. You know, that's pretty oh, well, amazingly they've they've almost kept the the level of quality consistent throughout their entire career. I mean, as far as the sound, you can't really place when the thing was recorded when you yeah. hear it. Yeah, in ter- yeah, I guess the the <laughs> the, the timeless quality. To yeah, it. I was gonna say I think I've heard Anvil songs from prior to this is thirteen and after Forged and Fire that were pretty lackluster in terms of the recording quality. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, and I think one of the things that's cool about this record is how well it does sound, you know, and mm-hmm. it's it's obviously proved to be kind of a comeback record for him. And, you know, the whole the whole premise of the documentary, for those of you that, that haven't seen it, is, of course, just sort of, you know, following them on, on tour as they're, they're kind of going through like a real spinal tap kind of experience. Well, they were a band in their early 80s. They were on the cusp know. of becoming a, a really popular band, really influential band, and then just basically fell off the map. Yeah, and and, you know, they have sort of struggled through barely, you know, kind of making it and never really getting the credit that they, mm-hmm. I guess, deserved, you know. And the main two stays, uh, the two mainstays, I guess, of the band are uh, Lips, the guitar Rob player, Reiner. and Rob Reiner. <laughs> uh, Rob with two Bs, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, not to be confused with the uh, director of Princess Bride and, and ironically, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they, you know, from a, from a historical standpoint, you know, as Mark was just saying, you know, they're they're interesting because they're definitely influenced by the new wave of British heavy metal scene, which you'll, you'll hear when we, we go back to their uh, early records here in a second. But, you know, not only do they kind of lay the, the foundation of all, I guess, Canadian thrash music, really. I mean, I think everybody kind of borrows a, a little bits and pieces from what they do as well as steal from Germany. And, Especially and, vocally, I think. And yeah. Lyrically to some degree. <laughs> yeah. And we'll, we'll, Mark can comment on that in a second. But I think one thing we should say is, uh, you know, I, I really put them in the same category, um, especially early on, like with a band uh, like Accept, where mm-hmm. they're sort of the bridge between kind of thrash, well, new wave of British heavy metal and thrash. You know, they're, they're definitely incle- increasing the velocity, but then they're still taking some of like the twin lead elements of new wave of British heavy metal, but they're, they're kind of uh, dirtying it up a little bit and making a little, there's much more of a sense of humor about everything as well. I think that's, yeah. that's one thing. Well, not all Canadian bands we're going to talk about today, but many of them have a, a very good sense of humor or, or uh, they're just, problems. yeah, or, or, or they have issues of, of juvenile, uh, Arrested Development issues. Yeah, Arrested Development. That's a, they haven't quite evolved, you know. And I don't want to get any Canadian jokes going because we, we live in Michigan and we're practically Canadian in some yeah. sense. Um, 
and uh, we love our northern neighbors here. That's why we're devoting some shows to them. But uh, there, there's definitely you know a vibe going on for sure that's that's coming out of that, that new wave of British heavy metal scene, which you're going to hear on the next tracks that we play, which is from their debut, Metal on Metal. And uh, you know, this is at a time as Mark was saying that they were touring with pretty big bands. You know, this is '82. Uh, yeah, that the record was, comes uh, out. God, what was it like? The Gods of Rock tour? Yeah, they were like Kiss, and I mean, there's and Van Halen. I mean, it was it was a pretty huge lineup for them to be on and. To be at that height and then basically just go into obscurity, but yet still have a what they got like thirteen records? Yeah, something. Well, yeah, yeah, well this, this is they're thirteen. They're working on their fourteenth yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah this is thirteen. <laughs> it's pretty obvious, you yeah. know. Again, the arrested development factor of, of of their. I mean, I guess tell us a little bit about their the lyrics. You know, I mean that you've noticed on Anvil records. I mean, you know? it's it's using basically any kind of like cliche or witticism or you know basically any, anything you, you could possibly hear in some kind of like old man telling you a story. They throw it in, but most of these lyrics sound as if they wrote them five minutes before they stepped in front of the mic my my favorite <laughs> song title i think is is heat sink for sure it's just which it's something or, like uh, you would snicker about like fourth grade what like was you, the other thumb something thumb, oh, thumb hang thumb hang they finally uh <laughs> thumb hang was like the first anvil song it's what like they the, ever wrote as like 16 year old kids yeah it's like the um uh aggressive perfector or uh, well, it was about the inquisition wasn't it yeah so because yeah, they yeah read the, something the grand inquisitor used to hang them on yeah thumbs you know and stuff which they still have that kind of like you know that teenage enthusiasm about like reading a history book and then oh that sounds cool there's yeah, a song title yeah well and they have their version of their own uh 666 so yeah. um you know uh but we're not playing either of those songs nor are we playing the title track which is i guess a, an anthem of canadian metal but uh in a cool song and, and it's one if you've seen the movie you, you you probably know pretty well but it's fairly repetitive um uh, and, and it and doesn't so well well heard yeah you can and I don't even think it's the best song on the record or anything. That's why we wanted to focus on maybe the musical, you know, the yeah. songs that I guess represent them in a, a thrash-based way more, the heavier side of, of Anvil. Well, and, and uh, Rob Reiner, I think, at the time was pretty revolutionary in his, his approach to drumming as well. Like, well, tons of double bass, but not just purely as uh, kind of like a momentum thing, but really kind of worked it in with a the yeah. whole overall vibe and just just the way he played was so much different than anyone else he's he's pretty loose you know and and, yeah. and i don't want to use the word sloppy but it but it's i think it's sloppy loose in a controlled way like he's he's like purposefully kind of not trying to be like super tight like technical you know lombardo style or something like that yeah but he's he's kind of you're, you're right he's hitting some like odd choices and stuff on some and, of the yeah, so it's not not necessarily jazzy but it's more like improvisational i think than than some of like some of the stuff we'll hear a well later on. going back to the last episode we did it's almost like a primitive version of what uh the guy from the last death record does um Christie, Richard Christie, yeah. a little bit, yeah. you know. I mean, not and that kind of level, but the same kind well, of like and, thought process. Of yeah, how and uh, Reiner, it. one of his big influences was like bands like Cactus and Wishbone yeah. Ash, and like you know more proggy kind of stuff. Yeah. So I can see how that kind of works. What's that me. great story in the movie? Like he he said he walked by a uh, this guy's a li- wearing Cactus li- lips window, and he's like, "We probably the t- only you know this must be the only other guy that listens to Cactus. I better get to know this guy." You know, it's just kind of funny, funny little stories in the in the documentary that make me smile. When I talk about this band, how genuine these guys are. It's, yeah, they're they're, they're the sort of they're living. Uh, they're definitely living the dream, and you know that's what's cool about the documentary. Anybody that's ever tried to make it in any kind of creative avenue yeah. can relate to the struggles that they're going through in that movie, and uh, it's just cool to see that them kind of come full circle. Which is why we want to start the show with this is thirteen. You know, 
Um, the the two tunes we picked out from Anvil from Metal on Metal, which is really we're just going to, like I said, give you samples of some of these great bands. You can kind of go and uh, check them out on your own and, and delve more into their back catalogs like we did. Uh, but we're going to start with Mothra, which is kind of the the epic uh, song on the record, uh, along with Metal on Metal, I think. And it's it's got a really cool like Iron Maiden vibe uh, for sure going on. Um, you know, some of the vocals especially remind me of you know Paul Diano um, mm-hmm. in terms of just the 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 sort of raw punk kind of primitiveness of it. You know, and um, then we're gonna kind of move from that into a, a pretty sweet instrumental called March of the Crabs, uh, which I I couldn't begin to tell you what the, the reference might be i'm guessing it's probably an std reference <laughs> it could be or some like really horrible bad sci-fi film just because there, there's no like common thread of any of these songs i mean it goes metal on metal mothra stop me jackhammer heat sink <laughs> tag team tease yeah. me please me i mean there's, there's <laughs> tease no me kind. please me sounds like a song from like girls 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 or something yeah. you know so they're they're all over the map and that's one of the things you'll find with the canadian thrash scene is is there's no there's no consistency. They're they're very unpredictable. Their influences are always very strange. It's like a amalgamation of like weird geographical places, you know, and that's what kind of makes them Canadian in their own sort of way. Yeah. But uh, and then we're gonna move from uh, from Anvil into uh, uh, a band called Exciter, and we'll we'll just kind of introduce them a little bit, and then we'll talk more about them and Razor when we come back. But uh, Exciter kind of burst out uh, the year after Metal on Metal in 1983 with um, the debut record. Heavy Metal Maniac. Heavy Metal Maniac, yeah. And uh, definitely a German vibe to them, you know. Uh, a heavy Metallica yeah. vibe as well. Yeah, and kind of a mix. And, and they're, you know, they're, they're going to be one of the bigger uh, Canadian bands for sure because they'll actually get picked up uh, by Megaforce Records, which is where yep. Metallica and Anthrax and Testament kind of get their start. Um, wait. Did Anthrax? Yeah, Anthrax originally was on Megaforce before they went to Ireland. Island, I think so. Yeah. Sorry, I may have. <laughs> and speaking of Anthrax, I really detect kind of a, a Belladonna vocal kind of pattern, minus the really high notes, you know? He's almost yeah, got like the, the monotone part of Bellad- Belladonna down. It's almost an amalgam of like every major thrash vocalist of the time kind of wrapped together, and I don't think it's necessarily him calling inspiration from all these other no. people, but it was just kind of... It was the style of the, the style time. style of time, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, but we got a pair of tunes, uh, one from Heavy Metal Maniac from 83, and then uh, there'll be Rising of the Dead, which has a really cool like chant, sing-along chorus, and then Destructor from Violence and Force, which was uh, 1984. Destructor. Destructor, yeah, spelled, uh, spelled pretty <laughs> interestingly and then we'll uh we'll end with a razor tune which we'll uh we'll talk all about that when we uh, get back so enjoy anvil with a pair uh mothra and march of the crabs from their debut metal on metal and then uh rising of the dead and destructor from exciter followed by some mystery razor
Invaders from Razor. Uh, before that, we had a pair from Exciter, Destructor, Rising of the Dead, and then we started with Mothra and March of the Crab from uh, Anvil. So, um, I guess we'll we'll jump back to Exciter for a second, and then kind of talk about the the last tune you heard there, Razor. Um, anything else you kind of want to throw in? I guess that that you heard in terms of the the you know we talked about the vocal influences, I guess, of Exciter, and mentioned a little bit about the German vibe. But, but, uh, yeah, I mentioned the uh, the kind of unbridled guitar. Uh, energy, I guess, uh, similar to like Sirith Ungul, mm-hmm. to where it's like the, the solos just don't end and they just kind of like blow out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, the the album title itself, Heavy, Heavy Metal Maniac, is like perfect for what these guys are, you know? Yeah. I feel like I feel like first and foremost, the weirdest part about Canadian metal stuff, and, and you know, we'll talk about this with, you know, when we get to like Pile Driver and stuff like that, is 
as you said, you know, it before the unbridled passion that these bands have towards metal, like well, I, I, they're like they're like man of war, but like minus the sort of cheesiness or something, or the, minus yeah, the, the irony, yeah, and stuff. But uh, I don't know if it has to do with like the Canadian record industry not necessarily being as, um, I guess, as like focused and like if you're you know if you're an American band on a big label, they kind of like cater you to, you know, you've got to fit into this certain criteria for this type of band, be cohesive in your image and lyrics and, you know, album covers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if a lot of this stuff was just more seat of, seat of your pants kind mm-hmm. of stuff, more underground or just didn't have that kind of guiding hand, which I, I kind of enjoyed a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I, I think it has like a punk aesthetic to it, you know, yeah. or a hardcore aesthetic and that it's, it, it is raw and rough around the edges and, and maybe not well thought out. Like you said, yeah. you know I mean? The, the lyrics on a lot of these records are, are, you know, one could call them dumb, but I, I almost look at them as like spontaneous or something like you well, said. enthusiastic the, about whatever, you know, I mean, a lot of these were done by young kids. So it's mm-hmm. like whatever you're into at the time, you like comic books, you like horror movies, you yeah. like, you know, STDs, whatever. <laughs> like ST, everyone's in STDs. But yeah, you know, and Anthrax had a little bit of that too, that sort of joking quality to them. You know, they yeah. wrote songs about Judge Dredd and, you know, just whatever mm-hmm. they felt like. And, and maybe they took a little flack from like, uh, you know, the Metallicas and Megadeths. Or, and we're always writing more, I guess, serious, you know, political but, or, or you know, Anthrax social, came out of the New York hardcore scene as well, which had, it was, I mean, the punk scene always had much more of a, a humorous slant on itself mm-hmm. than metal always. I think that was one of the big things that turned a lot of people off is that metal, metal took itself, itself so seriously yeah. all the time. Yeah. Which and, is fine for some bands, but not every... I mean, especially when you're singing about zombies and stuff, it's pretty stupid. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about that uh, with the death show last week, you know, how I think yeah. Chuck, Chuck had, <laughs> had come to a point in his life where he's you know, no longer All right, enough of this leprosy yeah. crap. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I guess take take this stuff with a grain of salt as we kind of run through the gamut of, you know, the Canadian thrash stuff, because it is... Uh, it's it's just different, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. in terms of the, their lyrical natures and stuff, and I mean, even like misspelling destructor, you know. I mean, it's something you would see from the, I guess, the German metal scene, you know, yeah. like bands like Creator and Sodom, you know, would do stuff like this, and yeah. of course, Destruction, yeah. And I, I hear bits of that, you know. It's definitely a more blackened, raw kind of sound than than what you would get from the Metallicas and Megadeths of this time. I guess I mean they've almost got it's like a fusion of the the whole thrash energy and vibe but then goes back to the new wave of british heavy metal like look at iron maiden's first couple of records and there's you there's know there's stuff about genghis khan yeah. and there, i mean there, there's no kind of like through line for what the thing yeah. is about at all so yeah and 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 because it had that that sort of raw nature to it i mean even the priest records in the late 70s had yeah. more of a, a, a less slicked up quality so you know they're drawing from from kind of a, a, a cool influence in that um, and then Razor, you know, I guess speaking of punk production and raw, you know, it's, kind of it's, nature. It's a rough sounding production. But. Yeah. You know, and uh, Evil Invaders, um, which was their debut in uh, 85, um, you know, it's it's definitely, you know, I hear on that song a lot of the proto-German thrash. Um, the vibe I really get the most from Razor, though, I think maybe because of how raw the production is, is Sodom. They're the band that jumps out the most immediately that, to yeah. me. Um, because they don't have the, the, I guess, the technicality of destruction, you mm-hmm. know, on some or level. Or even creator. Yeah. yeah. I mean, creator, um, although we'll talk more about creator when we, we you know, talk about the, I guess, the evolution that the Razor kind of undergoes a little bit. Um, you know, the solos kind of just like fly out from nowhere in a, in a very Slayer kind of way. And mm-hmm. Slayer obviously is like almost the house band of the of the American thrash influence of a, like a lot of these Canadian bands you yeah. know that were I mean all these bands through. are almost they're they're more on the fringes of of that kind of uh 
Uh, what do you call it? The more you know, satanic, the over the top. The yeah. I mean, when we get the pile driver, we're talking about over the top is like yeah. That's basically what they're about. And you hear like a lot of the almost like the dive bomb kind of whammy solos that yeah. like you know the the Slayer guys would play. You know, and uh, and it's cool. I mean, it gives it gives it definitely a, a more punk vibe. You know, and well, and stuff I never heard back in the day. Like Slayer seemed like it was this you know this kind of unique entity and within the U.S. thrash. And then you know if I would have heard, it's cool to know. Bands, yeah. yeah, it's cool to know that they had like you know kindred you know spirits you know throughout north america and stuff it's just you know and i think one of the weird parts that we should talk about is like the access um because i don't think any of this stuff is like really readily accessible to to the american market and yeah like uh and this is just a theory i can't really back this up on anything but (laughs) we're we're pontificating (laughs) earlier I'm guessing that since a lot of the a lot of the Canadian bands are actually on foreign labels, or else they're on like um, Razor. The first two Razor records were on Attic, the same label that screwed over um, Anvil. Oh, okay. and kind of yeah. never really pushed them or anything. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing they were all kind of through the same distribution channel, so all the Canadian stuff got over to you know Germany and the UK and vice versa. But I don't think a lot of it migrated down to the states because there wasn't. I don't, especially when it was un- that underground, there wasn't really those kind of deals to where okay, we're going to import records. It was like the guys from Megaforce would license stuff. It was yeah. very kind of like limited or well, metal blade. Think, well, I think too that that you know the thrash market wasn't in the in this period of time you were talking between like 82 and like 86 87 yeah it didn't really break till 86 really you know when masters came out and rain and blood and and some of that stuff and and so there there wouldn't have been a market for it you know i mean Mm -hmm. it was probably hard enough to get a hold of well not hard but it was probably like mystical enough to get a hold of like bonded by blood and and you know those kind of records just being an american thrash fan let alone looking outside of america to find some of this kind of stuff and i don't know if it was because you know maybe the the german thrash metal scene had its act together a little bit better so mm-hmm. that at least americans could have been exposed a little bit more to the german thrash because maybe stuff they made it through but it, I, I don't know what the penetration and the market yeah. was at all you know but i feel like it was maybe a little bit more than some of the canadian stuff in a weird oh, yeah, way you know canada's right there you yeah know? I, I the only one i'd ever heard of was exciter mm-hmm. and i just i thought they were like a cock rock band yeah i never put two and two together and yeah completely not that at all yeah so and, and so it's it's kind of weird and so then the secondary theory that we we were sort of you know bouncing around is you know, if these were on import labels, maybe the Europeans who were consuming metal had just as much of a shot at getting a hold of some of this stuff as they did some of the American stuff. And so the influence of the Canadian metal scene was a little bit, was felt a little bit more in some of the, especially the Northern European countries, mm-hmm. you know, Scandinavia specifically, you know, because oh, yeah. it seems as if there's a lot of Norwegian and Swedish bands that have sort of thrown ode to, to this kind of Canadian metal scene, probably because it is a little rougher around the edges. And mm-hmm. so the, the death metal and black metal bands, you know, probably well, bands felt, like, yeah, Infernal Majesty and Sacrifice, or, uh, yeah, Sacrifice and Slaughter. Yeah. You know, they, they felt like, like kind of kindred spirit, you know, with all that. And, uh, and it was pushing the bar of extremity too for, you know, visually and musically and whatever else, mm-hmm. thematically. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Pile Driver will be covered by Marduk, you know, or Marduk exclusively. And then, uh, you know, I mean, Dark Throne is, is written about. I mean, Fenres kind of talks about some of this underground thrash stuff that he oh, yeah. likes, and I'm sure this is right on his radar. You know, I mean, he wrote a song called Canadian Metal. Is this <laughs> kind of an ode? But uh, 
Yeah, for sure. You know, you you pick up some of that stuff, uh, especially that underground vibe from Razor. So, uh, and Evil Invaders um, is a song that we were kind of familiar with too. And, and it never, I knew it was a cover when I reviewed the record years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I really put two and two together where Razor was from or anything about that when I reviewed Hypocrisy's uh, the final chapter, which has okay. Evil Invaders as a cover song on there. And I knew it was a, I knew it wasn't a Hypocrisy song. Like the first time I heard, it, I was like. This Although, is just but even too that, weird. That know? riff is sounds very much hypocrisy like. It could so. be it could be attack green riff, you know. But there's just something really almost too simple about the song, you know, the lyrics and different oh, things yeah. like that. Even though like well, know, even he was obsessed with alien yeah, stuff. Yeah, it totally but, works. You know, fits into his canon. Yeah, but uh, later on the record uh, is a tune called Cutthroat, which is where we're going to kind of turn to next. And um, the the opening riff. You know, we were kind of bouncing around. You know what it sort of sounded like, and and I kind of mentioned to Mark that it really reminded me of you know fight fire with fire Metallica mixed with like a creator riff, and uh, then you something threw off in, like uh, flag of hate or yeah. like the really kind of like primitive right as they're kind of like in their uh, kind of right you know, before terrible it? certainty and stuff. So yeah, when they out. really start to kind of explode. Yeah, but uh, and then there's a really cool sick scream at the end. That's that's pretty 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 awesome you know and really kind of shows you where the band was going to go yeah we would have liked to have shown you a little bit more razor just like we would have liked to have shown you a lot more any of these bands and and they do merit you know kind of digging into some of their well, other and albums mo- and most of the stuff has either been reissued or you know available and on more you know nefarious means yeah, but uh yeah. you can definitely find the stuff for sure for sure and then we're going to turn to a band i'll let mark uh, talk a little bit about because this uh, is a pile driver <laughs> Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I just picked up uh, Pile Driver's Metal Inquisition record on vinyl. On vinyl, but it, it's the 1985 uh, was HMV version that they actually omitted "Sodomize the Dead" and uh, "Sex with Satan." They did. They uh, changed the titles on the and, back. And to... Alien Rape was uh, Alien Raid yeah. instead. But uh, basically, censorship, man. It's a yeah, Pile Driver was was basically two guys started. They, I think they've only really have two records out. Uh, and uh, Gord Kirchen, Gord Piledriver Kirchen, is uh-huh. kind of the you know the the guy behind the whole thing. He's the vocalist, and then Leslie Howe did all the instrumentation. And uh, this is one of the first metal records that I really know of that used exclusively programmed drums. Oh yeah, the drum but, machine. Uh, yeah, as far as every, everything about the band is retardedly over the top. I mean, the cover is like a guy in a bondage outfit, <laughs> or it's, it's a mix of pile driving uh, a guitar into uh, a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't get much more homoerotic than that, you no. know. And uh, and if you're not a metalhead, you might as well be dead. Yeah. Death by guillotine. Yes, yes. And he's wearing that on his jacket on the back of the yeah. vinyl, which is cool. So, And, of course, these guys uh, got put on the map for Mark and I when, when, of course, as we mentioned before, you know, Marduk covered two songs. Did they cover Sodomize the Dead? Sodomize the Dead and Sex with Satan. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a big deal to be covered by a, a cult black metal band like Marduk, you know, back in well, the day. Well, and when I heard, just heard the name Pile Driver, I was, uh, it just, all I think of is heavy machinery. Yeah. I didn't think of, you know, <laughs> yeah. anything tough. Or, or something from like Transformers or something yeah. like that, you know, a character. But, uh, yeah, it's a cool song. I mean, it's the same lyric the whole, over and over and over again. You yeah, know, I think at the very end they might scream Pile Driver. But. Yeah, yeah. I always got like a Venom Motorhead vibe from them, you know, with a little bit of Slayerisms kind of thrown in for for good. good well, there's, ease, I think there's know. a lot of D. Snyder, uh, you know, kind of twisted sister, you know, ethics to the whole thing. As well, and as, Alice Cooper as well, yeah. you know, the the sort of shock rock kind of value, you know, Halloween some, music or something. Some fat dude from Canada, so I yeah. don't think they really went too far outside of just these small little circles. And, and again, just looking at them, I would have always expected they were German. 
yeah given their their aesthetics and their you know lyrical content and stuff and that's but, another thing we were talking about in terms of why does some of the northern european scene pick up on some of the canadian bands so much i mean it could be the language barrier that maybe they don't yeah. see so obviously how horrible <laughs> some of these lyrics are and, and, and ridiculous i've told marco's story when uh when i was traveling through germany i got picked up by some of my friends uh, who were from Halle, uh, which is a northern German city up by Dresden, and they were rocking out like Blind Guardian in the car because they knew I liked you know power metal and stuff. And then they threw in a Manowar tape, and they were just like, "Isn't this awesome?" No. And I'm like, "No, it's really, really bad." I'm like, "Do you understand how bad the lyrics are?" And, and they're like, "Well, kind of." And I'm yeah. like, "I think if you really like lived in the English language, you would know yeah. just how horrible these lyrics are." You know, so. I think there's something to be said about language barriers sometimes, you know? I mean... It's certain charm to a lot of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's probably songs that you and I have listened to that were sung in Norwegian that are probably, you know, absolutely retarded, you know? Oh, we just completely. didn't know it, you yeah. know? But, and then we're going to uh, kind of close things out with a, a double dose of uh, two, two uh, I guess, more extreme-leaning bands, uh, definitely draped in Slayer, which is Sacrifice and Slaughter. And uh, I guess we'll introduce Sacrifice and then just pretty much talk about Slaughter when we get back, but... Um, you know, they do have an anvil esque vibe with that's mixed in with the sort of Slayer stuff, a uh, lot dirtier. Um, Mark and I both picked up on you know, pay attention to some of the bass stuff that's going on. It's there's uh, a lot of like Gene Simmons like bass slides and stuff, yeah, going on too, and, and I, even like early primitive like stuff that like DiGiorgio or somebody will do, yeah. Where, and that's something only on a couple, you know, like a, maybe the third time I listen to it that I really pick up on the mm-hmm. on the on the bass stuff, but yeah, and so there's some progisms too, you know, but definitely like a Hello Waits era Slayer kind of feel. Uh, Remind, yeah, like if it, it was a Slayer, but you know, recorded at you know by a, a Bay Area artist that yeah. wasn't quite as talented. Yeah. So <laughs> Sacrifice, very cool. This is a band I've recently discovered. I've had the Slaughter CD, which we'll talk more about later. Uh, and this is not the Mark Slaughter, Dana Strum Slaughter, which has its own value. Not yeah. really, actually. To, to some, it does. Uh, in sixth grade, it did. For Slow me. dancing. Yeah. Fly to the Angels, baby. But uh, yeah, and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of get into their famous record Strapato when we get back. But we've got uh, Razor Cut Throat on the way, followed by Pile Driver Sodomize the Dead, and then a pair from Sacrifice. Uh, this one's you know Four Determination Terror Strikes and Cyanide, and then uh, a pair from Slaughter as well. But we'll, we'll talk to you more about those when we get back. Let's go, let's 
those tortured souls in disintegration incinerator from slaughter's uh strapato record and then before that you heard cyanide and we uh started with uh forward determination terror strikes from the uh, pair from sacrifice and then the aforementioned pile driver sodomized dead and razor cutthroat so and you don't need to say much more about no that. that they kind of speak for themselves uh, but one thing I wanted to mention about the the Cyanide tune, um, there's some really cool, uh, in terms of vocally, it's like a mix between Chuck Billy and Tom Araya on some of that Sacrifice stuff. Um, and both those records, Slaughter and Sacrifice, were both put out in 87, so they were kind of uh, right on the cusp, you know, right as uh, you know, Rain and Blood came out in late 86, so this mm-hmm. is really kind of when Thrash is starting to move in a, a more extreme sort of you know, direction. I mean, the German scene was already there. I mean, the German scene was almost already proto-death metal kind of stuff, but uh, for sure, Sacrifice uh, are are hinting towards it, and Slaughter are almost, like, right there. I mean, they're they're almost kind of death metal-y thrash. Yeah, even more so, I mean, because we, you know, you had Possessed doing their thing, but then these guys almost have, it's it's like the weird meshing of, you know, hardcore punk, Mm -hmm. of... um, I mean, you're starting to hear even the guitar tone is very reminiscent of the early Swedish death metal sound. Sure, yeah. And just like, you know, the, the really obvious Celtic Frost stuff happening. It's just this weird mishmash. Yeah. But that, that kind of like somehow really just came together really cohesively and well. And yeah. I, it's probably one of the favorite things that we've listened to yeah. on the show. Yeah, these two these two records in particular. And uh, the Slaughter I've had for a while... Um, I got I kind of got a hold of this in Infernal Majesty, which uh, will probably be making an appearance on one of these shows, uh, these oh, yeah. Canadian metal shows. Uh, rumor has it, uh, but they're kind of doing their own different thing. I don't want to get into that, but I think I bought those at the same time because I, I you know, grabbed them online and liked them, and so I bought the records. Uh, but you know, the sacrifice thing is is more recent, and and that's more rooted in the thrash stuff, you know, especially in forward determination, terror strikes as a kind of Metallica breakdown. But uh, even in terms of like the, I, I think you and I were talking on that tune cyanide. Their composition sense is very like creator destruction. It doesn't mean they sound like them, but the mm-hmm. way that the choices they make musically in terms of how they, you know, the the. All these almost eight, like atonal riffs and stuff. well, and how he'll like stop and he'll like kind of just be like a, him like singing, screaming. You know, it's yeah. kind of something like Millet did like a lot or something. You know, um, well, and the, yeah, I, there's like there's a lot of um, well, I can hear where a band like Autopsy would have pulled stuff out, or mm-hmm. even a band like Slaughter might have got something out of Siege. Yeah, you know, or that, that yep. type of hardcore, especially vocal delivery. Yeah, and that's one of the things when we moved to Slaughter Strapato, You know, I mean, you you mentioned Siege, and I mentioned that opening riff on. Uh, I think it was on Tortured Souls really reminded me of uh, Repulsion like a oh yeah yeah. you know it's like Venom and Celtic Frost mixed with like a really crusty Repulsion kind of thing which is cool you know I mean Repulsion was coming out that same time well, uh, we, did, we didn't mention the Chuck Schilder, the, the from, Chuck from connection. Yeah. yeah, that was. I think that was the other thing that made me want to grab a hold of Slaughter. You know, a couple of years ago was mm-hmm. I knew this connection that he had joined. Well, the even band. it's like uh, what is it? Track two, fuck of death. Yeah, FOD. Yeah, which is uh, what is it? Is basically just referring to the short time that Chuck was in the band. <laughs> oh, is that what is that what that was about? Oh, that's cool. Well, that's that's what uh, Metal Archives said. Did they so. say that's cool? Yeah, but. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think Death was on hiatus, and so he moved up uh, to to play with Slaughter for a while. And like it was know. like six months, and he, like, he hated Canada. Or yeah, something. <laughs> Chuck's well, he's from Florida, you know. He's well, I a, think these guys—he's are... a testy guy. They're uh, most of these bands that we've been listening to are Ontario, Toronto based, right? Yeah, I, th- I didn't. Write I'm almost positive these guys, these guys are from either, Toronto. Yeah, Toronto, Ontario, um, and and you know so. 
that kind of adds like a different element that you got this death metal guy coming up to play in your mm-hmm. band. I'm sure that kind of which they were slaughter was basically death metal yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. But. I mean, it's all Celtic Frost and you know Venom riffs, you know, sort of sprinkled in with like you said the hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, especially the drumming is, has some very much a punk hardcore kind of grind crust beat to it. You know, um, and and even like. But again, there's still that sheen of Canadian cheese, you know, like in the incinerator. Incinerator, you know, like it's. Do you have any idea what the the title of the album is? Ah, you know, I think I looked it up at one point, but uh, it escapes me at the moment. I apologize. I don't know. Probably like a missile. Yeah, probably something something cool. (laughs) Uh, But at the end of Tortured Souls and at the end of uh, Incinerator, there's there's some cool breakdowns. I mean, they definitely know how to throw a, a good you know, thrashy breakdown in the midst of a kind of death metal yeah. song, you know, so, but, uh, you know, none of these won the, the grandiose title of being, uh, the, the crown champion of, or the gem of the Canadian metal scene in the eighties. Well, we're going to bookend the show. Yeah. I think. Well, uh, well, you know, you'll, if you're, if you're clever, you'll, you'll pick up some hints, uh, near the end here, but, uh, we hope you enjoyed what we did. Uh, you know, it was kind of fun just to sort of give a little sampling, kind of a mixtape of Canadian metals, really kind of what we were trying to approach. Well, I'm sure we missed, uh, a lot oh, of stuff, but yeah. I'd love, yeah, give us a, a jingle on the either our Facebook page or recommendpodcast at gmail.com. Would yeah, be fantastic. Yep, and uh, you know, check us out on iTunes, you know, and leave some comments and different things like that. And uh, you know, I guess do do wait maybe to, to freak out on us until you hear the second show because we do have other bands <coughs> lined up for the, the second kind of mixtape Canadian, mm-hmm. you know, that were in the 80s and different things. So uh, maybe we're not as bumbling of idiots as you might assume. But we're new Come, to it. Yeah, we are new to it. We're, we're definitely a virgins to Canadian metal. But uh, we wanted to end on a high note, <laughs> literally. And uh, I was telling Mark that if, uh, if you could play a song at my funeral, <laughs> <laughs> this would be it. And we're, we're kind of going full circle back to 2007 and back to the, uh, you know, the Anvil, uh, This Is 13 record. And I think they actually show them really focusing on this song specifically in the movie. And uh, the, the, uh, working on, he's working on a solo and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, I remember you know mowing the lawn to this song a lot uh, a couple summers ago because this was a, a good mowing lawn record. But uh, Flying Blind. And uh, it's it's a great tune. I love the solo. It has a Ace Free Ace Freely kind of vibe, where he's really just sort of it's it's like a four notes yeah you know, solo, but it's not, it's perfect. It's cool, you know, and it's it's definitely epic. The, don't pay too much attention to the lyrics because they're pretty awful. But that's kind of when you're flying and you just can't see, yeah, you can't see what is happening to me or something. It's, yeah, flying blind. You know, I mean, whatever you think the lyrics are, that's probably what yeah, exactly, exactly. So, but uh, shoot us a line, let let us know what you thought. And uh, like I said, you know, Mark. Said, check us out on Facebook, check us out at our uh, record podcast at gmail.com or on the website. So, uh, for Anvil, Flying Blind, and Canadian Metal Part 1, I'm Jason. And I'm Mark. <laughs>